So what's up, man? We're back. We're back. It's We're been back. a while. Yeah, it's, it's been, been a while. while. A lot of stuff happening, man. Yeah, man. Crazy. It's like nonstop. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess like we should probably start this of like saying, I guess, what's been happening since our last episode. I'm not really sure when it last was. A couple of months back, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, Let's keep a timeline of everything that's like what was then and what's happened in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, with me anyway, it was like my work went crazy, first of all. And I had to go to the north of Sweden a lot to do work there and felt like the internet wasn't suffice to do anything. <clears throat> yeah. Then I came back and I was like, okay, let's shoot out some podcasts. <laughs> my laptop just completely broke. <laughs> completely broke uh thankfully i frankensteined it and got it all working again new uh hard drive and everything lost all of my stuff no yeah yeah uh, so but we're back we're back so we're back. fingers crossed that nothing bad is going to happen again and fingers crossed that uh i can upload some more stuff <laughs> so is that, is that a new microphone i see um kind of kind of i've bought a few new microphones and i've been switching them around a bit um but i'm not going to say what this is because i don't have a deal with that <laughs> so if any microphone the guys want to want to do a little bit of a collab then hit us up hit us up yeah that's welcome man mics are expensive yeah yeah, yeah. i'm i'm on the low end right now i think so uh so what's been happening with you man uh no more covid and stuff you, you've all been all right yeah all good now just like a lot of a lot of life you know <laughs> life um no otherwise not that much it's just um you know trying to figure out work and life balance and that kind of thing yeah yeah i've done a lot of that as well especially with the whole mma part um i like i i kind of left topology now because that, okay. that was, to me was taking up way too much of my time for for what I got out of it as well. Yeah. So I figured like spend some more time with the family. I spent a lot of time with MMA as it is kind of thing. So yeah, balance. You know, you gotta find that life balance, man. Yeah. No. Definitely. Definitely. But MMA is like your your main like focus and like hobby outside of life. Would you have like other outside of like work or do you have other things that are like other passions as well. I think it's just MMA, man. I'm, I'm a simple <laughs> guy. I like eating. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, MMA. I mean, I used to be big into football, but mm. it took up way too much time, I felt like. Because it used to be like, watch a game on like Saturday, like daytime, then watching like match of the day Saturday night, then watching like yeah. match of the day Sunday night. And yeah, I feel like that that takes up way too much of your weekend, man. Yeah, it does. It does. It definitely does. Yeah. But now I'm on MMA, so that fucks up my weekend as well. Yeah, then I... I guess it's easier though. You know, it's not as like you know you you have like one main like UFC, and then you've got some other like you know a couple of other galas and that kind of thing. You can kind of pick and choose. You know, you don't actually have to see all of them. Yeah. Um, but like you know, watching football, it's like that's like every day, nearly. <laughs> 
How's it going for you anyway? I mean, uh, you're you're still a hockey fan, right? Yeah, Is not it... as into hockey as uh, as I used to be. Um, no. But I'm I'm pretty deep into Formula One, so I got my heart broken um, on uh-huh. Sunday. Um, and I'm I'm pretty deep into mountain biking as well. Um, yeah, but you know now it's the weather's so cold, so I can't do that at the moment. So. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, me and my wife just recently brought her a car. And then now she's like, damn, I feel so bad because I'm not cycling anymore. And I'm like, it's the winter. Why the hell would you be cycling in the winter? She's like, no, people do that in Sweden. And I'm like, really? (laughs) Yeah, it's proper winter now. Yeah, I guess it's even worse for you, you know, being a bit further up. Uh, it's actually like calmed down. It was like super, super like minus 20 almost, but it seemed to have calmed down, uh, snow's melting away and everything. So, so it's only like minus 15 up there now, you know, now that it's calming down. (laughs) No, I think today we had like plus six. Wow. Decent, right? Sounds similar to us. Uh, so motorsports, I've never, I've never been into motorsports. Really? Yeah. I used to be a mechanic. So every time I see a car, even if it's a nice one, I just see a problem. (laughs) <laughs> so like uh, uh i don't know i've never really understood it to me it's like you just have the faster car and then that's that does you good right well i guess to a certain point you know there's definitely like you know i mean there's of course there's levels to driving like if you've ever or if you've ever driven go-karts against anyone that's had any like kind of like amateur career or like semi-pro career mm-hmm. you know like it's it's unbelievable there's a bit of like doing jujitsu with the black belt you know you, you've got no chance they'll be like lapping you and you're thinking you know we're in the same machinery mm-hmm. i don't get how i'm on lap three and you're already coming past me again um no but we i i grew up in um in Nottingham, and we had donnington park uh, pretty close okay like half an hour um and my dad always used to have a um, motorbike when i was younger so we always used to go watch MotoGP. Mm-hmm. um and uh, and past couple of years I've been getting back into F1 and um, at the moment this week I kind of regret it because that was like one of the worst experiences of my life Sunday. But, so so um, what happened? I mean, everyone it's been around on my feed a bit to be honest, more than probably Spider Man. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what 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 has happened? Like, what is why is everyone shocked? So so basically, right? Um, Lewis Hamilton, seven-time world champion, mm-hmm. eight-time actually should be. Um, he, um, you know, he's been he's been really dominant like for the past ten years, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and this year, um, Red Bull have finally gotten their car in order. So it was Red Bull against Mercedes, Lewis versus Max Verstappen, um, and it's been like a really really close battle like all season. You know, and it's been like in the beginning Lewis was leading, then Max was leading a big portion of the season. And um, and had a big um, advantage in points, and then towards the end of the season, like these past four races, Lewis has just been like, he's been driving like he's driving for his life. Mm-hmm. Um, he went from um, basically over over the weekend in Brazil, like a couple of weekends ago, he had basically twenty five place grid penalty in total, um, and ended up finishing first. And so literally, he's just been like bringing. Um, you know, he's been like the, he's done some of the best driving like we've ever seen. Um, and so it's neck on neck, neck and neck um, to, to this final race in Abu Dhabi. So they're on, literally, they've got the same points, 369 and a half points each. Um, but Max is leading statistically because he has more wins. 
even though they're on the same points. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone was afraid that Max was going to like, you know, crash into Lewis and he was going to try and win that way, you know, like Schumacher did um, mm-hmm. a long time ago. Um, but anyway, so, you know, Lewis gets a good start. He's leading the race. Um, he has a battle with uh, Verstappen's teammate. And then, um, you know, it's, it's starting to look like smooth sailing. Um, Verstappen did get a tire advantage and he was, you know, he was, he was um, closing the gap to Lewis. Lewis had like 15 seconds up on him, which is, you know, it's huge in, in Formula One. Mm-hmm. And then we get to like, I think it was like the, there were five laps until the end. And it was just like, as long as Lewis doesn't get like a freak puncher or something, you know, he's going to be the eighth time champion. He's going to be statistically better than Schumacher. Um, and then one of the guys lower down the grid smashes into the wall. His car's in pieces with five laps to go. Mm-hmm. So they bring out the safety car, right? Um, and when they bring out the safety car, you know, all the pack gets bunched up and you've got lapped cars and things like that. So there's five lap cars or four lap cars between Lewis and Max. Mm-hmm. So it's like, a, it's a big buffer. So Max goes in, he, he switches tires, ends up behind these um, four or five cars. But the rules say that you you can, we either let the lap cars, uh, we move them out of the way so they pass the safety car and they lap, you know, so then they unlap themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're going to unlap cars, all the cars have to unlap themselves. Otherwise, you don't lap, unlap any cars. And once you've lapped, let the lap cars go, the lap after that, after all of them have gone past the safety car, then you can bring the safety car in. So basically, this is, you know, the safety car's been going around and the laps are going and going and going. So we get to the, there's one and a half laps left. Yeah. First, the race director goes, okay, no lap cars are going. So um, Max is on better tires, but he's got four cars in between him and Lewis. So he's not going to catch him on one lap. Um, and then suddenly he changes his mind and goes, okay, lapped cars are going to be let through. But instead of letting all the lap cars through, they let the lap cars between Max and between Lewis go. So these four back markers, they let them go past. And then he also goes, and the safety cars coming in this lap. Two like huge breaches of the rules. You can't just like decide that. So it's okay, like a it's like a Formula One gate kind of thing, or yeah, kind of. And then so basically, you know, Max is like, he's on fresh soft tires, like the fastest tires, and Lewis is on. 44 lap old hard tires so you know the grip has like started to go on them completely mm-hmm. so you know like if you know racing you know that lewis has no chance it doesn't matter if his car's you know faster on the day he's got no chance of you know holding max up so basically they sacrificed a fair race just because they wanted one final lap of entertainment where mm-hmm. you know there would be an, a battle but you know if you know racing you know max is going to pass him so you know as everyone knew, the lap starts, you get halfway through the lap, Max Verstappen lunges on Lewis Hamilton, Lewis tries to get him back, but he's just not got the grip to get him back. And Max Verstappen basically gets gifted this his first championship, and Lewis gets robbed of this eighth championship just because the race director was like, well, you know, fuck the rule book. I'll make my own rules up. We've got to make this exciting. It was just madness, man. Like, I, like I, don't, I don't think I've ever been so like emotionally affected by something that hasn't like affected me personally mm-hmm. like you know when I, I i played hockey and everything you know there was times where i've had goals that have been disallowed that you know i that have been fair you know fair yeah. goals. there's always a the time of fuck it kind of thing there's always a time exactly of and like literally even then when it was like bro you know i worked really hard to get that goal to help my team and everything even the hurt that i would feel then it was literally nothing compared to something so you should maybe start a a, a formula one podcast as well then 
think so, but I think I get a lot of hate as well. <laughs> All yeah. these Max Verstappen fanboys. <laughs> just, just don't do it to me. Um, if you know, there's no video on this, but if anyone saw me, I was just like sitting back here and nodding. You're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But I feel I, I feel your passion so at least. Um, that's what makes it. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, it it was a it was a thing of like someone got screwed. Like Lewis got screwed. Yeah, like like really really badly. Like really really bad. Like it was. It, like it is literally unprofessional like the fact that the you know you have to remember that the race director he's not just like some nobody who doesn't know racing mm. the race director knows what happens if someone on soft tires in an equally good car and you've got someone on hard tires that as literally lewis has had he was leading 80 percent of the race mm. like by a long margin you know max had his his team manager even said he was like if we're going to win this on the last 10 laps you know we need a miracle and someone crashed, which was like the first part of the miracle. But then, you know, instead oh, yeah. of that speed, you just done body fingers. That do you think the, the guy crashed on purpose, or what do you think? No. Like it got paid off? No, I don't, I don't think so. It's just like you couldn't even script it. You know, you literally couldn't script it. Hmm. It was, you know, it was, it was like a done deal. So, it's like it, it was like having a locked in submission like it was like having a rear naked choke you got the full body triangle uh you've got the choke deep 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 and they're about to tap and then the referee you know comes in and says you know like breaks it up, like up. stands it up it's literally that it's literally mm. that if you'd had um if you'd had Poirier on Oliveira's back <laughs> this past weekend and he'd had his neck and he'd had the body triangle and it was all locked in and then the referee comes in and goes wait 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 stand up yeah and then Oliver just goes and knocks him out that would be literally that's the mma version of what happened so you kind of pointed it on the the mma this this weekend mm-hmm. i'm a bit i'm a bit um how can i put this because everyone's kind of saying that i'm a hater yeah I'm not a Joe Rogan hater. I promise everyone I'm not. But I do think that he is biased. Do people agree with me? I don't know. Do you do you agree with me? Um I hate to say it but yes. Yeah. But I I, I think the thing is, right? It is hard to be to not be like at all biased. Yeah, um, of course it's human. Like I I think the thing is it's so hard like Especially, you know, Joe's been around for a long time and he's watched a lot of people like, you know, a lot of the people that are like the champions now, he's really been there and seen, you know, at least from, you know, once they've started being on like bigger cards, mm. Joe's been there and he's seen it all unravel live. And if he really gets a liking to someone, and especially like certain people that he's had on his podcast and mm-hmm. things like that, I guess you do, you know, they almost become like nearly friends to you. Yeah, this is like... One of the things of why I want to try a bit of commentary, and I've spoken mm-hmm. to it about like um, to the Chef's Most Pollen guys and <clears throat> and Sebastian who does a uh, commentary at FCR and stuff like that. I want to yeah. try it because my view of MMA is always, always, always there's a, that there's two people going in there mm-hmm. that are literally doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like one guy's coming out of the pub. And one guy is like a trained professional. These are two guys yeah. that are like doing their thing to get like a win. So like that people kind of big up, let's say home players or, you know, stuff like that or champions kind of thing. Because yeah. to me, to call um, Julia La Pena beating Amanda Nunes the biggest upset in UFC ever, mm. that's a diss, I feel like. That's a diss to the person that just won. 
like wow like are you saying that so many people were against me you're even saying that you were against me like mm. and didn't think that i was gonna win shocking the world that kind of works like you know in a bit of a positive you just shock the world but just yeah. go to someone and say what do you think of now putting on the biggest upset ever i'm like mm. Mm, I, I get where you're coming from however i do have to say just that exact statement that he made i do agree with it like to a certain point i mean it's all it's like a gsp uh matt sierra mm. that's like the 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 only other thing I can think of that was like that insane. Or like Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey? No, I don't. I, I, I guess the thing is, right, that was, that was huge because of the fact that Ronda was, you know, so she was such a big star, right? Yeah. Isn't it the same here now as well? Because Amanda Nunes is seemed to be unbeatable by everyone, but there's no one that's unbeatable in the MMA. I guess the thing is, I would say it just feels like Amanda is felt so much more in a league of her own. You know, of course, Ronda Rousey, like at a certain point, you know, we did think that she was unbeatable, you know. Um, but, the, you know, she I, I don't think she ever looked 100 percent unbeatable. It was more like Ronda Rousey's definitely the best we've got, but the right person could probably beat her. Yeah. Um, you know, because you, if you look at like Amanda, Amanda's like brute strength and the way she hits, and you know her her such having such an all round game. You know what? What to me, the reason that Ronda lost was because she kind of started, you know, leaving what she was good at. You know, she she started she decided that she's going to start trying to like stand and strike. Yeah, she believes which, in her own hype that everyone was exactly. But Amanda doesn't seem like the type of person that does that. And then, you know, like the. The, literally, when I saw this fight booked, uh, and Juliana Pena had been, you know, going on about it forever, I was like, you know, she's we just like send another lamb to slaughter. Like, she, personally, me, like the stuff I seen from Juliana Pena, it didn't seem like someone that was going to beat Amanda. Mm -hmm. And like everyone else thought, I guess, you know, Amanda seemed very unbeatable. Like the the thing that kind of like put, was the turning point for me with Amanda was I thought she was going to get beat by Cyborg, mm -hmm. and you know, when she starts Cyborg, I was like, okay, I can't doubt Amanda anymore. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and then you get Juliana Pena, who's just like, in my mind, she, I never saw her as being that good. You know, never like mm -hmm. Amanda Nunez level. Um, and then this fight happened and I was like, in shock, you know, <laughs> it was just weird. It was, and so so to, to some point, I would probably say that, you know, we're definitely number number one, two biggest upsets in, in UFC history. Definitely. Yeah. I have a few theories about this. And we've had a few theories on this on this uh, podcast <laughs> platform, shall I say. So one of my theories is that uh, champions, they kind of go on a wave. You kind of with them at the start. But then once they start defending quite a few times, then you mm. actually tune in to watch them get beat. Do you know what I mean? Because is that a personal? Uh, no, I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel like I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. that's what happens. I mean, you know, people are hating on Khabib because mm -hmm. he's been so dominant for a long time. So I feel like people are hating on him to the point of we want to be there to see him lose. Not that they actually want him to lose, but like, you know, we want to see him lose. That's why they want him to continue because they want to see him lose. Most undefeated mm -hmm. fighters they want to see him lose. Most people that become 
in the league of their own, like you're saying. You then tune in to like, oh, but she hasn't fought this person. Oh, but she hasn't, you know, faced a wrestler. Mm -hmm. She hasn't done this kind of thing. And my other theory is that the UFC puts limelight on certain people and on certain people they don't. If you look at the talents like Tatiana Suarez or Mm. Arnold Allen or any of the other uh, like undefeated fighters, I'm not really sure with Tatiana right now, but that's another name that came to mind kind of thing. Yeah. That like, what's happening with these people? Why are they not getting their title shot and things like that? Mm. So I feel like Pena's name was in Amanda's mouth a few times. That's Mm. what got her to fight. Yeah. Then the opportunity of obviously beating her was there for Juliana to take. Yeah. So I mean, I I do get you. Like I I agree to a certain point with with your opinion on that. I think a lot of people do. Mm. I I don't know whether it's just like me personally. I have like an issue with that. Um. Because I I've never really understood the whole. Um. I watch them to see them get beat. You know, for mm. me it's more. I watch them to see how they handle like that level of um, like adversity, you know, the, yeah, and that kind of uh, an opponent, you know, like when, like Kamaru, you know, mm-hmm. he might not, or you know, he's he's become more exciting um, the longer he's he's been, you know, he's been in the spotlight, but he's he's definitely not the most entertaining fight, or at least hasn't been, and I don't watch him because. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe Colby might beat him. You know, it's, it's not, you know, mm-hmm. that's not why I watch him. I watch him because I want to see, oh, well, how's he gonna handle this? Same when he was, you know, gonna fight Masvidal. How's he gonna handle Masvidal? Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, Hamza gets that chance. And you know, I won't be watching him because I'm like, oh, I can't wait for Kamara to get beaten. As much as I'd like to see Hamza as a champ, I would love to see for both of them. Really, I'd love to see how they handle each other's fighting styles and their experience and that kind of thing um but i think you see that uh, to your point i think you do see that in a lot of sports mm-hmm. um i think with khabib a lot of people watched him you know because they wanted him to lose um and i think you can say that about like a lot of sports stars like tennis players mm-hmm. um basketball players football players you, a lot of people do want to see them lose and i guess that's kind of like a, a kind of toxic toxicity that's kind of built up um and i guess you want to see the comeback as well you want to see what happens after that first loss you know do you though i i think some people just want to see them like i don't think people want to see them come back i think people just like to build people up to you know break them down to a certain point maybe yeah maybe mma psychology here Mm. but i mean (laughs) but you you can't deny as well though that when kamaru uzman fights anyone he gets booed yeah. When Tyron Woodley fought anyone when he was a champ, he'll get booed. Mm, so yeah. it's like, you know, like the commentators are doing, and I'm sure that the UFC has a vision of where certain fighters are going to go. It's a lot of look that way. This is our next guy. Yeah, you know that's I mean? true. That's true. Definitely. But do you think that has anything to do with just like who the fighters are? Because if you look at certain other fighters, they don't get booed. Like Izzy, for example, he doesn't get booed. Yeah, but as well, like Amanda's. Would you, never would you say? Would you say that Israel Adesanya has been has been dominant in his title reign? 
because I'll say he, he his fights have been very interesting because they've actually been very tight. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, it's, it, I'm kind of like trying to process my process away my bias towards Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I get. Wait, I'm just gonna. I'm not. I'm not human. Fights, so. I don't have biasness. I'm not human. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's probably some truth to what you're saying. Actually, maybe he hasn't been the most dominant. Uh, Are you excited for his next fight? Anyway, he's going to be fighting Bobby Knuckles Whitaker, again. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I think Whitaker deserves that title shot again. Mm. Uh, definitely. You know, he was champ for a while, so I think that he definitely deserves it. You know, I'm hoping he's he's going to piece him up, but. I don't know. It's hard, you know. I mean, I, I would say that the Martin Vittori fight, you know, I, I would say that was still a pretty um, clear-cut win. Yeah. Um, Jan fight that was, you know, that was just it was a shame. But wouldn't you? Uh, wouldn't you also say before that fight on paper that Whitaker is a much better fighter than Marvin Vittori? Yeah, definitely. But then they went five rounds. That's the thing that's really weird, you know. Mm. Like it, it's, I guess you know, in the way you put it before, his fights have had some interesting results. Like Kelvin, Kelvin seems like someone that you know Izzy should just he should manhunt. Yeah. so much bigger than him. Um, you know, like Kelvin, literally, he could probably drop two divisions if he just like you know had like a proper dietitian or something mm. and like didn't eat shit because he, you know, he's built like a, a refrigerator. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And and then suddenly you have like like it was an amazing fight, but it was definitely I thought you know I thought that he was going to put him away early and that was it became a big issue for him. Um, Robert Whitaker on the other hand, he finished him off relatively early, and I thought that was going to be like a five round war. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yoel Romero fight that was that was also very it was just strange. No wait, where do you for where do you for Whitaker it went five rounds. No, it went through two. Because I'm looking at stats now of Kelvin, because I'm like, Kelvin fell off for sure. I mean. Yeah, Kelvin was five rounds and Whitaker was two. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I thought you meant when Kelvin fought Whitaker. Uh-huh, okay. So, then, yeah, Kelvin faced Izzy and lost in five rounds. That lost to Till, lost to Hermanson, beat Ian Heinish. Then lost to Whitaker and lost to Cannonet. Yeah, Damn. that kind of that wasn't a great losing streak. <laughs> no. But the, the, those names are like what the top five, maybe, maybe not mm. Till now because he's also. But there's still, there, there's still people though that you would think Izzy would probably have a very good shot against. Mm-hmm. You know, in my in my opinion. Uh, Izzy would beat Darren Till. Um, I think Izzy beats Jack, uh, even though Jack could be Jack could definitely be a tough night. I just think at the moment. Was that your biasness coming in again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think that that um, I think that that he beats him. Um, and Jared Cannonier, I think Izzy beats as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jared's a hard one. I thought Jared was going to smash Whitaker, to be honest. I was like, I was 
that was balls deep on the um, Cannonier hype train. Literally, we were watching when the night he was going to fight Whitaker. We were watching that was the Khabib. Um, uh, I'm not sure. Let's wasn't see. it? Let's see. I think that was the Khabib card. Cannonier. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. Um, it was Khabib Gaethje. So me and the boys, we were watching. Um, we were watching the fights that night, mm-hmm. and we decided to do like a um, a, a group bet on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally, they, you know, the my the one where we're making the bets. I was like, okay, just let me make one choice, and that's the cannoneer. He's going to be Whitaker, and then all the other boys, you know, they went and they, you know, they just like picked random names and everything. We got every single fight. Apart from that one, apart from that one, <laughs> the one like, that you oh. were sure about, <laughs> the one that I was a hundred percent sure about, I was like all day, man, all day, Canada, but no. We're in a weird place with with the UFC at the moment, and I feel like this always happens at the end of the year. That you know, titles just change at the end of the year, and like then you have difficult fights to make and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. it's been like everyone's been holding on to the title and maybe been like dodging certain opponents and then the fights end up getting booked because it's like well we've got to do it now mm-hmm. and then suddenly titles start changing hands and like you say we're getting this weird kind of what's your thought about what they should do with Garbrandt it's hard man because he does have like he still feels like a star it's weird mm-hmm like he he genuinely feels like a star when he, like when he's at the press conference and everything, um, but like the 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 losses he's had, man, it's like yeah, it's one win in his last six fights. Yeah, and he's not getting any younger, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, he's starting to lose against, or has started to lose against people that a hundred percent good. But there may be a lot like mainstream names, and I think I think the thing is that it's kind of tragic. But the thing about MMA and especially UFC is you definitely have to like keep in in the good books with the casuals. Yeah, like you really do. Like to to become a star, you really need to keep in in, in you know you really need to be in their good books because at the end of the day, people get paid to the people that are popular with the casuals. You know, you might be the best fighter hands down in the UFC but if you're if you don't have exciting fights and you might you know you might make a mistake you might lose to the wrong fighter and everything and you're not always fighting these bigger stars in the UFC then you kind of get you know a losing streak can be more than a losing streak you know yeah. or one loss can do the same damage as what a five fight losing streak could do but like pick a Connor for example like Connor's the, the biggest star but you know the amount of the the way Connor's record has been since he was like on top mm-hmm. is actually like really bad. Like a lot of people would be, you know, you'd be looking at cutting them from the UFC at this point. Yeah, I mean, since I'm, I thought of Connor as well, and then it's like since he defeated Eddie Alvarez for that second title, mm-hmm. the only person he's beat is Donald Cerrone. And that's a, that was a long, long time ago. Yeah, that was that was a long, long, long time. January twenty twenty. Yeah. And he fought Dustin, and especially Dustin Poirier you, twice and lost twice. And if you go all the way back to the, the Alvarez fight, that was definitely a long time ago. Yeah, that was, that was 2018? Yeah. 
Damn. But mm. you don't need to do it, right? Like. No. But that that's the thing that I think is a problem for for Co Ramp. Like Pedro Munoz, you know, he's he's definitely you know getting bigger, but I still wouldn't say he's like super mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, Rafael Asuncao, he is, you know, he beat him, but you know, he's not really a mainstream name either. He's mm-hmm. very good, but he's not. And that was Rafael Asuncao's third loss in a row against. Garbrandt. Yeah. And then Rob Font, like, like no disrespect to Rob Font either, but Rob Font isn't a huge name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like Kaikara France is, you know, he, he does have a bit of stop out because, you know, he's from Izzy's camp and everything. Um, but he's still not like super known. Like that fight is definitely bigger for Kaikara France than it is for Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, I've really enjoyed Kaikara France's uh, like performances. Because uh, he's on the Ultimate Fighter, right? Mm. Yeah, so him coming from that. I don't know, when when they come from that, I feel like you're kind of at the beginning of their career kind of thing, even though it's, it's totally yeah. not, but you kind of follow them a bit a bit deeper. <laughs> get to know them a bit more on a personal level, I guess. So you'd, you'd be one to, to keep Garbrandt, just for the, just for the name. Yeah, I think so. I think you know what I think you do with him, right? I think you put him in against TJ. Um, that's a shot. That's what I think you do. I think that's what you do because I mean, like TJ's TJ's. You know, TJ has been out. You know, he did have a good performance now that he came back. But I think still, like those two that's probably the biggest fight either of them can get mm-hmm. you know that fight will be hype yeah i was thinking no like matter no matter who wins on so that it will be like strapping them onto a rocket ship exactly mm-hmm. exactly so you could either save kobe's career or you could save tj's career mm-hmm. i was thinking uh i wouldn't mind seeing cody versus Cruz again Mm, that would kind of be yeah. a nice one for Cruz to try and get back before he maybe hangs up the gloves. Yeah. Uh, no, definitely. Not saying that I feel like he should hang up the gloves, but he was on prelims. Like. Yeah, that was weird. That's that's one thing. Is that I would I would also. Like, it sounds bad, but I I would probably like me if I was in the UFC and I got offered a fight. It's like. Do you want to fight on this big card and you want to be on the prelims or would you like to be on a fight night and be like higher up on the main mm-hmm. card? I'd go higher up on the main card of a um, of a fight night because the thing is, a lot of people don't watch the prelims. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot of people don't watch the prelims. Even people that are like into fighting don't watch the prelims. Like, you know, when me and, me and the boys watch um, fights, we're not really paying attention to the previous. Yeah, yeah, it's like, like the, the starter kind of thing, you know? Like Yeah, even if there's good fights, you know, you're eating food, you know, maybe you're drinking a beer or whatever, you know, it's you're not, like, super focused. And the people in the arena aren't really there either, like, especially at big events, you know? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you watch the events in, like, Las Vegas and stuff, it's, like, more than half empty during the prelims. But I also say that this, this pay-per-view had a lot of names on it, like, well-known mm-hmm. names, so that they had to get kind of push down to the prelims but do you want to be drowned out by the big names that's the thing mm. or do you want to be the main it's a bit like you know holloway holloway's been on a couple of fight nights now or whatever yeah 
That's and cool. he's definitely a fighter that deserves to be main event, co-main event on big cards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he made that decision, that conscious decision to be on the fight nights. Um, and it's been working for him. Yeah. Because he's always the main attraction instead of maybe getting bumped down just because he's not got the belt. Instead of being bumped down to being like the fourth fight on the, um, you know, fourth fight on the main card or the fifth or sixth fight. Mm-hmm. What, what, do you, what do you think about uh, our boy Tai, Tai Tuivasa, Mr. Shui? He's a bad man, you know. He's been, <laughs> he's been on a roll. It's crazy. Uh, you know what? You know what I feel about him? I think he is what everybody wants Derek Lewis to be, um, but that Derek Lewis isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I completely get what you mean. You don't even have to, you know, like... <laughs> everybody wants Derek, Derek Lewis to be this, you know, mm-hmm. crazy, exciting, madman. And, you know, I mean, Derek Lewis has a funny Instagram and funny post by interviews and everything. I've, but, like, no hate, but he's a fucking boring fighter. I feel like Derek Lewis is a very smart businessman, to be honest. Yeah, like he knows what people want, so he like gives them a bit, mm. but then not enough so that people kind of hear all of it. It's like, oh, I'm gonna save a bit to next time, and you tune yeah. in next time, kind of thing. Tied to Ivasa, you tune in, even though you know it's gonna be the same shit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's good. You know, shit. it's gonna be chaotic and it's gonna be fun, yeah. and you don't have to like sit and wait for you know for Derek's you know one hit quitter and hope that he connects or something, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I feel like he's should be going up the rankings quite a bit. He's had three wins this year. He fought once last year and won. Uh, 2019 was a shit year for him. He lost twice. But it's the heavyweight division. So it's like yeah. you don't have to get that many wins to get up there. No. No, you don't. I mean... The heavyweight division can definitely swing like fast up and down. I'm sure he's not... He's not main evented anything, has he? No. no he has in 2018. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Well, as against Junior Dos Santos, I'm guessing it's a Junior Dos Santos fight that got that main event spot kind of thing. Yeah. But that'd be wicked. Like, uh, fuck Corona. I hope that goes away. And then tied to Ivata in Australia, like, headlining. That would be sick. Just a fight that night kind of thing. That would be sick. Yeah. Well, that'd be sick, definitely. But yeah, it's like he, he's weirdly a dark horse, and he's something's changed with him that he's he's not going to be yeah. easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at like his past couple of fights, it's, he barely like the <laughs> the one this weekend. It, it barely, mm-hmm. you know, it's, if you were talking like round two. You know, they're not getting very far. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure... He... Other ones before that have been first-round chaos. I'm pretty sure his, uh, he feels bad in the morning, but not because of the fights. Do you yeah, know what I mean? exactly. exactly. Uh, so what do you think of the main event then? Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier? Um, like, all in all, this weekend wasn't a good weekend for me. Like, <laughs> like sports in, in total... You know, it's um, Dustin, your boy, is that what you're saying? Dustin's my boy, Amanda's my girl, and Lewis is also my boy. Oh my god! So, um, so anyone yeah. that you support, I'm just gonna bet on the opposite. Yeah, just bet <laughs> on the opposite. You know, call me Chelsea Um 
Yeah, no, I was I was rooting for for Dustin. I just wanted to see him like go full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, like honestly, I really like Charles, so it it, it was honestly it was going to be disappointing either way. I didn't want to see any either of them lose because both of them deserved a win. Um, but I really wanted to see Dustin, you know, complete what he came here to complete. Because I think honestly, I think if Dustin wins that bout, I think he vacates the title and Charles Oliveira fights someone to get it back again. You think so? Um, yeah, I don't think he was planning on sticking around. I think he was going to get the belt. You know, he's had the money fight with Connor. He was going to get the belt. He might have fought Connor again for the belt, possibly. Kind of thing. Not for the belt. Uh huh. So you think he'll he'll win it? Scrap it and then just have one money fight with nothing on the line. Yeah, scra- I, I think he'd win it, scrap it. He'd take some time off. Then in like a year, year and a half maybe, he fights Connor. That's it. And then in like, MMA his, like, or in boxing? Or... I, think he's, I, pro- I think they probably still make the most money in MMA mm. because they're two MMA fighters. Um, but yeah. Oh. But you know, all all credit to to Oliveira. I mean that that choke was it was deep. Yep, he just jumped on him straight. Like you don't usually see that in high level fights. Do you know what I mean? No, 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 no. That was like the kind of thing you would expect to see, like in a school fight. Someone just like jump somebody uh, at the lockers or something, and just like sinks a choke in. But that was. Um, it was impressive, man. He just jumped on him, and that was, uh, the, you know, it's it's really really hard when when someone's standing up to do that. Like it's really hard because you've got to climb them basically. Mm-hmm. My my thing, and stay on. my takeaway from that was that Poirier didn't jump to the ground. Like he didn't, he didn't try and front flip him and to like you know, for the impact. You know, like sometimes when someone's on your back, yeah. you just fall back, and the impact kind of gets them to let go a bit. Yeah. But maybe he just didn't want to be on the ground. Yeah, I think after after the round, but you know, the, the round before that, when he had just been like controlled the whole round, I think that mm-hmm. just like got into his head. He was like, "I'm not, I'm not going to the ground because he'll fuck me up on the ground." Yeah, that was probably what was going through his head. But Dustin was also fighting weird. You know, I don't, I just don't really understand why he was just, you know, staying there. Because it, it seemed like when they at the end of the round when they went to the corners, Dustin was saying like he was holding him because. He didn't want to give him his back. So he, he'll just mm. cruise the rest of the round out, like, on the bottom while yeah. holding and not attempt to actually scramble or anything because he doesn't want him to take mm. his back. Yeah, I guess maybe, you know, honestly, it could be one of those kind of things. You know, just the fight is just, like, somewhere in his head. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, can't, you know, he keeps going through the mistakes he made there and thinking, well, you know, scrambling around, I got caught. So I'm not going to do that against Lovera because he's a really good grappler. Um, and then, you know, when he stand, stood up and he gets caught, like you say, like, a lot of people, at least, like, as his last second Hail Mary, when he felt like, okay, this is deep, mm-hmm. that he would just, like, try to front flip him or he'd jump on his back, you know, just something to try and, yeah. and get him off. Um, at the same time, you don't know how much money he really made from the Connor fights. Maybe he made enough money to be like, okay, the belt, of course I want it, but I don't want the belt as much as I did before the two Connor fights. Mm-hmm. That's true. Money changes, man, you know. I don't know how much he could have made, but you know, say he makes, say he made like fifteen million dollars total from the Connor fights, maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Could be more, could be less. Depends on what the contracts were like. That's a substantial amount of money. Yeah, and it seems like he doesn't really like 
He's not a he's not a money person. It doesn't seem like. Do you know what I mean? No, he's not like super flashy. You know, I think he he's he he'll probably pay off his house. You know, buy a car and the rest he'll probably like invest in like maybe other properties. But he's not like super showy. You know, mm. you see he's got a Rolex, but it's not like like you know doused in diamonds or anything. Like he bought the Rolex that he thought was the nicest on the Rolex side. Yeah. It was expensive, like for a normal person. But, you know, if he's making that kind of money now, mm-hmm. it's a nice watch, but he doesn't need 15 watches like Connor needs. Yeah, and you hear at the end of it, he said uh, Charles Oliveira is going to donate 25 grand to whatever charity. Yeah. Like So that's like, I'm like, okay, he, he doesn't really, you know, he cares more about helping people, it seems like. So Yeah. But I'll, de- I'll definitely think that, like, if he does hang it up, and like you say, that one more money fight, we'll definitely see him in the MMA circle still. Yeah, definitely. It being a presenter yeah. or a coach or something like that. Or even, yeah, or even like no, a promoter. So. Yeah, and I think, honestly, I think the... Um, for Connor, I think instead of Connor talking shit, I get like I get why he does it, because he knows that this that means he's going to get the fight, mm-hmm. the Dustin fight, but absolutely, that is the best case scenario for Connor that... Dustin lost. Yeah. Because now that Dustin has a loss, then, you know, Opens he'll door. blame his leg and, and all that kind of stuff. And then um, then they'll end up in there together. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a bit about Swedish MMA. Uh, the last event here was Fight Club Rush. Is that right? Uh, I think I'm so. Sure. I think so. What's your thoughts from Fight Club Rush? Do you have the results on you? You can... Uh... Get them. Bring them up. It was FCR 10. There is a lot at the moment about um, the heavyweights, Nerman, Hijab Passage, and Irmas Magic. Yeah, I saw there was um, a bit of beef about how that fight ended mm-hmm. with uh, the referee and stuff. Yep, bit of a bit of a strange one. Um, I'm not I'm not really one to you know. First of all, I feel like MMA referees have one of the hardest jobs in the sport, and yeah, people are gonna hate you. Like I think every MMA ref knows that people are gonna hate you. Like yeah. Even if it's your, they people feel like you've done something a bit too early or a bit too late, or you know, just the thing of the other guy won because of you, and you bet like yeah. so much on whatever. Um. So I, yeah, like I felt like the match was a bit weird. Everything surrounding it was a bit weird. Um, Irman mm. uh, hearing about them not being elbows three days before the fight was weird. Yeah, that was strange. I put on my detective hat and tried to get answers on that, and everyone was pointing fingers at everyone else. And <laughs> oh man, that was a a stressful thirty minutes. And I thought it was weird. That was that was literally just the one fight that wasn't allowed. That right? No. So that that was the information that I got from from Irman. Then I spoke to uh, Jürgen and he said there was a couple of fights that weren't allowed it. And it's it's just about that you need to have, I don't know, a suffice amount of certain fights where you are allowed to use elbows, I guess. So mm-hmm. either amateur MMA, Thai boxing and things like that. And it was that Nerman came from boxing 
mm. and then had two MMA fights. Aha, uh -huh. so basically they thought they felt that he didn't have enough experience exactly. with elbows to have that. Yeah. And then okay. Airman was obviously like pissed that, you know, three days before the fight, he was yeah. obviously training to get him down and ground and pound and stuff like that. So he, he felt mm -hmm. like a weapon was taken away from him. Then when it came to the fight, I, I'm a fan of jujitsu. I'm a fan of ground mm -hmm. wrestling. Uh, even when heavyweights do it, I do feel like sometimes referees are referees are pressured from the crowds booing and stuff like that. Obviously, mm. the the crowd wanted to see two heavyweights try and knock each other out. Yeah. Um. But I'm not a trained MMA referee, so your yeah. thought on it on when an MMA fighter should be stood up and mine will differ, and someone else's will differ, and the referees will differ. So I don't think it's anything personal mm. uh, by the referee or anything like that. And I don't think the comments towards the referee should have been said the way that they said and everything. Mm. Uh, but then again, I don't think the referee should come out and do a 50-minute interview afterwards. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think it's a hard one. I guess it's just like a you know people just feel like wronged and it just ends up being mm -hmm. like a bit of a back and forth yeah um but yeah it's it's hard to it is very hard to critique a ref without being a ref yourself mm -hmm. yeah and i think no matter you know critiquing a ref is a tough one because even if a ref it, it, even if it's like a, a clear situation mm -hmm. it is very hard to critique a ref and it to be like a hundred percent valid if you aren't yourself a ref. Yeah, like for example, I have watched MMA for maybe over fifteen years. Mm. But if a MMA ref that's been doing a job for three years does a decision, just because mm. I've seen more MMA fights, it doesn't mean that I should tell him what should or should not be. No. Do you know what I mean? Rules change. No, that's thing is that I mean they they do have you know of course they have a process and referees aren't you know they're not there trying to fuck things up you know that's mm. not why they're there. They're trying to do the best. And, I, you know, I get that being a, it's a stressful situation. And a lot of the times it's not like, it's not just like, oh, you've got this one main fight that you're going to be taking care of. You know, you've got a couple of fights in the card and, you know, there's things that happen and, and you might see things or think you saw something or you might um, see a situation in a different situation mm -hmm. um, or in a different way. I mean, like, even if you look at, like, the top referees in the world, you look at, like, Herb Dean, Mark Goddard and... And that you'll see that even them, you know, certain things, they differ in opinion. Mm -hmm. um, the way things should be and shouldn't be. So it's, it's complicated. It's really complicated. Yeah. Especially in a sport where emotions mm -hmm. run so high and like as MMA. And, you know, it's, it's always personal. Mm -hmm. Everything is always personal in MMA. Yeah, it has to be. And there's a lot of MMA politics that the fans don't understand. Like mm -hmm. why this fight had no elbows and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah so yeah it's, it's just mad and uh a lot of people say that herb dean is one of the worst referees because they only remember yeah. the times where he does bad but did you know he got referee of the year this year exactly it's so insane like, there's no winning and there's no losing really uh but people do like to chuck people on the bus very quick you know as soon as they make a mistake it's like like especially you know herb literally the 
the narrative on Herb, like in the past two years, I think he went from being the consensus best referee and the gold standard of MMA refereeing to like having a couple of shitty calls uh, or like questionable calls and people are like, ah, oh, you know, he's the worst yep. thing that you know has happened to MMA. And it's like, mm-hmm. chill. It's just people remembering the negative, isn't it? Yeah. Like how many how many fights does one referee ref on an event? But you'll pick exactly. you'll pick out one spot that's like, oh he's shit. Did you see what he done? Yeah. I don't I don't <laughs> think there will ever be an article where someone will be like, This ref was great. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? Yeah, this ref this ref had eight of the fights of the night and he made one mistake that was fifteen seconds. You know, he's mm-hmm. he stood them up too early or he should have stood them up. Um, and then he had, you know, three other cards that were completely without mistakes. So, you know, he's done 45 um, out of 46 yeah. fights without mistake. You know, there's no reason right now. Yeah, we, we don't test our kids like that. Like, if you don't get 100%, you yeah. fail. That's it. Like, <laughs> uh, but then, uh, so, what do you think this is a squash beef between these two heavyweights? Or do you feel like they're going to cross paths again. Uh, my personal opinion. Don't care. <laughs> no, go on. I, I think, um, I think they should stop worrying about each other. I think they've got Kevin Moon here to worry about. Honestly, mm-hmm. I've actually I been think... sent a few things today about Nermin and Kevin Moon. They don't seem to like each other. Yeah, I didn't catch that last bit. They they don't seem to like each other. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've I've seen some stuff on socials, and they they don't seem to like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kevin's a problem. Like, believe me when I say that Kevin is going to be a problem. Yeah, for everyone. I feel like this is a good thing. I mean, we needed some new blood in this heavyweight division, or the, the lack mm. of heavyweight division here in Sweden. So. Yeah, like uh, I've said to Kevin as well that as soon as the podcast comes back up, that I'm going to get him on and have a little chat about his background and everything. And I'm sure that Norman's name will be brought up. Um, Norman seems to be calling out a lot of people, though. Mm. Straight up. So I hope Kevin gets the fight. What do you think? Do you think he will? I think he should. You you want I it to be a wolf, he, yeah. right? You want it to be like a bit closer to you. Yeah, that would be sick. It was a bit closer, you know. We get to see him. Um, I think he, I think yeah, definitely that fight needs to happen. But he's all an amateur, uh, right? No, he's going pro now. Okay, okay. He he basically he won the belt at Wolf, um, and then he turned pro. Mm. So, um, dude, smaller gloves, man. I believe me when I tell you, even if I was his size, I would not be stepping in there with him. Yeah, therefore. He is a bad man. Uh, so the belt that Kevin got, it doesn't say amateur on the belt, right? No. Let's just put them two in the cage for a pro belt, right? Yeah, man. Let's put them in Wolf 100%. for a pro belt. 100%. It'd be cool to see Nairman fight outside of uh, FCR. Like, maybe if he's on different turf and stuff like that it could be something yeah different. no definitely so that's the fight to make there kevin and Nerman. yeah i think that's it. it's like wolf would also be a good place because it's like 
it's not brutally far. I mean, I guess it's you know it's, it's a ways away from from uh, Vesteros, mm-hmm. but still like um, what's it called Vesteros is a long way for everyone from Malmo to come and see Kevin. And the next FTR yeah. is in Orebro. Mm-hmm. 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 I think that's a fight to make, man. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I'd love to see that. What do we do with Josephine Knutson? That's hard, man. Yeah. It's, it's, that's a really, really hard one. I actually, um, I actually spoke to uh, her manager, Majdi, on the night and said, you have a problem. Because mm. I don't think you, they can find someone from Sweden or Europe that's going to fight her in Sweden. I feel like Josephine yeah. needs to go somewhere else. I don't know if Cage Warriors has a like has that division. I don't know like where she should go. Maybe maybe Octagon KSW something. Yeah, I would. Um... Like you say, I'm I'm not sure 100 percent about the divisions in Cage Warriors. I would like to see her in Cage Warriors. Mm. I personally think Cage Warriors is a good place for. Like I, I get, like KSW, of course, that's good. You know, definitely high level octagon. Same thing about Cage Warriors, though, is Cage Warriors. You really do get a huge. Um, uh, you get a lot more exposure. Yeah, the eyes. the eyes is that. The thing is, like, Cage Warriors is just like, first of all, Cage Warriors is, they have them all over the UK mm-hmm. and, you know, in certain other places, but, like, a lot in the UK and people that want to see MMA, but UFC isn't in, you know, the UK that often, you know, they will go, they'll watch uh, Cage Warriors and they'll be there and they'll watch the whole show and you'll see the people on the prelims and you'll see the whole card and, Cage Warriors does have a reputation for, you know, finding like the biggest talents. Mm-hmm. Connor's from there, Paddy's from there, uh, Jack Tank Shaw's from there. Yep. Um, you know, you've Ian, got and Gary who just put on a great debut. Exactly. You have like a, um, you have like a, a lot of really really good fighters that have come from there. Mm-hmm. So there's also this draw to Cage Warriors where I think both people just being like on, on UFC Fight Pass, they'll be scrolling through all oh, Cage Warriors. Yeah. That's where this and this fight came from. Through Maybe I'll see the next big thing. Um, and also going to watch shows. Oh, you know, I could be I could be the person that sees the next Connor before they were Connor, mm-hmm. you know? So you get like a lot of extra hype because of that. But I don't think people feel the same way about, you know, KSW when they see that come up yeah. or Octagon when they see that come up. You know, it's not the same draw. Um and I think especially with it being being very British, you you know, people talk more, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a huge it's a huge country. Um that has a lot of connections to a lot of different places. Yeah, I go you say and and the language kind of thing. I mean, and it, an English promotion in England gets out over the world, but you know, if I ask you who are the KSW champs right now, it's like Yeah, exactly. Like it's like I don't know, so because the, the news like, doesn't get out. I, like, it's like, how do I find out? Do I need to like start googling in different languages or exactly, you know, exactly. that kind of thing? So it's like that's why I'm trying to push everyone in Sweden to speak English, man. That's that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal. Uh, and then we've got Felipe Lima who won the uh, 
main event there and the Fight Club Rush bantamweight belt. He says he doesn't want to defend it. He feels like it's his time to go to the UFC. Yeah. What do you think? I think he's looking good, man. You know, he's not really been putting a foot wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not done that in a long time. So, you know, I mean, I think the thing is you always have to ask a fighter, you know, do they, that's the most important thing. Do they feel personally ready? Yeah. Because I think there are a lot of fighters that, you know, they could they could probably jump in. They could probably, you know, do okay on the prelims or whatever. Or they could, you know, go to tough and they would do all right. But it, I think so much is mental when you get to the UFC. Because I think at the, once you get to the level that you can compete at the UFC, until, you know, uh, to a certain point, you can get a long, long way because you already have the skills. Mm -hmm. You know, you know jiu-jitsu. You know how to straighten, you know how to kick. You you know, you have reasonable wrestling. Um I think once you get to the UFC, that's where like the mental really, really starts yeah. to make a difference. Like I feel like promotions before you get there, even like Cage Warriors, I think you could be in it. You know, I think you could be raw talent. You could be a champ in Cage Warriors, mm -hmm. definitely. You know, you just athleticism, raw talent. You don't have much mindset. You know, you might not be the most dedicated person in the gym, but you know, you could still be a champ there because you can. You know, you have these freak athletes, and when they get to the UFC you know some sink and some swim and the people that sink are the people that they were pure talent mm -hmm. and then they get there and then you realize oh shit you know a lot of these people are super super talented but they work a lot harder than me yeah um, it's the whole thing about being a big fish in a small pond and then you go into an ocean with the trucks like exactly you know but that's why a lot of people like you hear paddy pimley saying that he turned down a couple of offers to the ufc because he's like i'm not ready yeah yeah and it's it's a good thing to do. So yeah, don't rush there, right? And it's the same with Jack Shaw. I mean, literally, Jack Shaw to me is what is the most underrated prospect right now in the UFC. Yeah, honestly, because people don't talk about him. Mm. Um, you know, people don't realize how good he is. You know, he's undefeated. Um, he's pretty much man handled. Was he like nine or? I don't know his exact record. Sorry, fifteen and oh shit. Yeah, so he he's on the roll, and people like still they're like, "Who's Jack Shaw?" And it's like, and he's you know he's the thing is I guess he's he's pretty quiet about you know his um he's pretty quiet mm -hmm. you know about his career and everything, but when he's in there, he's you know he's dominant and he's like really really dominant. Yeah, four fights in the UFC and four wins. Mm. And the way he's like. The way he manhandles people, but he doesn't look like the type. You know, he really doesn't look yeah. like the type of person that he doesn't look like a wrestler, to be honest. At he all. doesn't look like a fighter. <laughs> no, he could just be like some random dude, you know, watching the footy down at the pub or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he's really, really, really good. Um, definitely, a hundred percent. I think he's definitely champ material. He's the kind of person that I could see um, a Sean O'Malley getting as like a. You know, Sean O'Malley getting him as like a scrub. Yeah. And then, and the then he get like a huge, huge upset. And then suddenly, you know, you're throwing him into like title contention. Mm -hmm. The rocket um, I like, honestly, I think Jack Shaw's a problem for, for Sean O'Malley. If Sean doesn't knock him out, I think he's a problem. You're making fights, man. Dana, yes. Dana, get this guy as a yes, matchmaker. Dana. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll start winding things down a bit now. Uh, it's the end of the year. So we're going to give out a few 
like awards off the top of our heads. No one's getting sent any like trophies or, you know, statues <laughs> or money or anything. But uh, who would you say is your fighter of the year, like globally? Oh, my globally, my global fighter of the year. Um, I'm probably going to forget someone. Someone really like obvious now. So um, I'll, I'll say mine first. I think mine would be Taito Ivasa, just because he's been so entertaining. He's been winning all of his fights. Four fights. Uh, was it four fights this year? I think uh, that for a heavyweight, that for a fighter is quite a lot. For a heavyweight, that's mm-hmm. like even more um, entertaining. I like his walkout songs. Like <laughs> I, I'm enjoying the shoeies. Uh, I wouldn't do one myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> but he seems to be a laugh. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I hope to get yeah. hope to get him on the podcast soon. Yeah, that would be really sick. Maybe that now that he, really... like, he heard that he's my fighter of the year, get him on. <laughs> um, you're doing too much research, man. I said off your head. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard. And now the thing is, I want that. Who am I gonna go with my fire of the year? Um oh, there's a lot, man. That's that's a hard question. I would want to go with Let's pick one of your boys, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I kinda wanna say Max. Max Holloway. Max. Yeah. That's a good shout, though. That's a good shout. I've liked Max this year. Like, I, honestly, I think his fight against um, Calvin Cater, like, even if he's not, you know, had, like, five fights this year, his mm-hmm. fight against Calvin Cater was... That was kind of enough for me. Yeah, that was... You know, that was one of those fights mad. I could rewatch it instead of a new uh, card every single weekend, and it would still not get boring. Mm-hmm. Like, that fight was just, like... It was like a film... Um, he just like showed levels. So Max, I say Max. Do you, but do you not feel like every fight that Max has been in has been like fight of the year contender? Because you know, I, yeah. I actually forgot that this fight was in this year. So I'm gonna give that my fight of the year. Uh, Max versus Kader. Yeah. Max versus Rodriguez was also amazing. Yeah. Uh, would that be your fight of the year as well? Either that or Chandler Gaethje. That was that was pure I think, madness. I think for me, Max's was probably the performance of the year. Because mm-hmm. um, it was so dominant, kind of thing. Exactly, because it was so dominant. But Gaethje, Chandler, that was just, you know, it was brutal. There was nonstop action. I actually, like, I'm going to tell you a secret here. I did fall asleep to that fight. But that was literally because... I've been, I'd woke up really early that morning and I was watching it in bed mm-hmm. and it was just like literally the, um, they done all the walkouts, they start the fight, they get announced, they touch gloves and then I just like wake up in a flurry of punches and then, so I'd like miss like a round or whatever. Um, I'll tell you what, so... when, when they were walking out, I fell asleep Yeah. and I didn't wake up <laughs> and I watched it in the morning, I was like, holy yeah. fuck. So, uh. You, guys, you don't put us to sleep, but we're we're in Europe, man. So allow yeah. us. Hard times. <laughs> but I have to completely agree with you that. So that you know, 
performance of the year, Max against Kada, yeah. and then fight of the year, Gagey and Chandler. You know, I was a big yeah. on Chandler when he came in, but I respect him now. Really, I, I like Chandler when he came in, yeah. but I was I've you know I follow um I follow his coach mm-hmm. on Instagram, mm-hmm. so I've been seeing a lot of Chandler propaganda there. So uh-huh, uh-huh. I guess I was ready for it's it. Been, it's been input, like it's, it's been put <laughs> exactly. Uh, I would just be like so excited to see him like get in there and see what he can do. So then we'll we'll say uh, Swedish fighter of the year, Swedish fighter of the year. That's easy. Yeah, is it your boy? Is it is it Mister Chimaev? It's Hamza Chimaev, hundred percent. One fight this year, is that correct? Uh, uh, yeah, one, one and a half, I guess, if you call that a wrestling um, match. I don't. <laughs> it was, it was impressive. It was impressive. I don't know. I think you get a point for that. Uh, yeah, I was. You weren't, you weren't impressed. Hmm. I don't know, man. Uh, I, I don't. I don't I don't vary out of MMA that often, so let's let's just keep it like that. I don't vary out of MMA. <laughs> uh but yeah, he's 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 had a great performance. Uh he's he's one of the biggest names in Sweden, so I guess we're gonna I'll, yeah, I'll I'll accept it. I'll give it to him. I I I don't know if you're um being generous enough that I would probably wanna say he's probably one of the biggest in the world right now. There's a lot of a lot of hype around his name, definitely. Uh, his, you, his, you, name, his name is said in. Have you seen the amount of followers he has on Instagram? I don't look at that stuff, man. I'm an old guy. Three million followers. How, Three million followers. How many does Mr. Beast have? Does that mean that he's relevant today? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in the MMA world, three million followers is a lot. Like, how many does Kamara have? Probably more. I mean, you've got. You can't forget he we're in more. the. Um, you can't forget we're in um, the entertainment business here. As true, much as it true. is sport, Kamara has 2.8. Oh, wow. So Kamara is a bigger star. Okay. I, I stand corrected. Yeah. Yeah. Put some respect on that man's name. The, the, you got and the also the thing is you've got to remember this dude speaks like proper broken English. Like he can't. You know, he's not at the stage yet that his English is good enough to be able to, you know, cut slick promos every time he speaks on a microphone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll come here, I'll kill everybody. That's that's good enough. You know, that's good enough for him. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've seen him in four fights in the UFC and he's done five rounds. Yeah. Well, if we put put the minutes together, I don't think, yeah, we haven't seen much of him. But yeah, I, that's I a good thing, right? <laughs> Can, can you imagine if you just like accumulated like Hamza's biggest stats? You accumulate like the amount of fans he has. You accumulate the low amount of strikes he's had, um, the domin the domination he's done. Like you know, if he if even he keeps close to this level of dominance, mm-hmm. he's going to be one of the biggest stars we've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And he's representing Sweden, which is insane. Yeah. So good, and uh, he's, I hope he's, uh... literally, he's literally one of these people that if you know if he headlines headlines a Swedish card, it'll be mad. It won't just be ninety percent Swedes in Avicirina. Mm-hmm. It'll be like fifty percent Swedes, and the rest of Europe will just come to see him. Yeah, it will be mad. So, is that your wish for next year? 
UFC Stockholm. I have two, I have two wishes. All right. Um, well, I, I honestly like this is also biased, but I would rather see UFC Malmo because Malmo does. <laughs> They've got a good arena. Uh, but they don't even know about Malmo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I guess you know UFC. Um, you see Stockholm, that would be sick. Um, and I want to see Hamza have a title chance, title shot next year. So let's say let's say start the year with you know let's say around March where with the we're supposed to go to London if they're still messing about with Corona and stuff, they come to Sweden instead. Hamza jumps in and against a big name, wins that next title shot. I think. Either title shot direct, uh, directly, or maybe you put one fight in between there. All right. Um, not that I disagree that he could, you know, I'm, I'm sure title shot would be good, but, you know, we still want to mm -hmm. build them. Make sure the man gets paid as well. I think my wish for next year it might be a bit of a personal one, and that is that fighters should stop trying to act like gangsters and should act more like fucking athletes. <laughs> okay because we've had a few swedish events now with people jumping in cages we've had people fighting in crowds not people sorry athletes you know we have people you know posing up on uh instagram with all types of craziness connor is going around like chest pumped out in like you know mclarens or whatever the fuck like yachts and stuff <laughs> i want to bring everything back to the sport of MMA and I want it to be more recognized as a sport. I want fighters to be recognized more of athletes and give this stuff the respect it deserves. Mm. I think you'll, you'll have a hard time getting that. Yeah, your, your, your wish sounds it. a bit more simple. <laughs> I think, right, the thing is, um, in the future, I think definitely it'll be more, it'll be like more like it'll be you know, you'll see it more as like a sports yeah. league, probably, you know, more like an NFL or a Premier League, whatever. Um, but at the moment, it's still more entertainment than it is sport to a certain point. Um, you know, we don't like if, just if you look at the UFC, you know, the rankings, what the fuck are the rankings? You know, they mm. don't really make sense. Yeah. Maybe the top three makes sense, but the rest of it doesn't really make sense. Um, and even top three can be a bit. Uh, um, and until you have like until you have like a proper fighters association and until you have like a proper it doesn't even have to be the UFC to be honest but like a proper global ranking that everybody you know unanimously agrees this is the gold standard mm -hmm. you know we don't need to look at UFC uh, this is the rankings that count um, and when fighters actually start getting matched you know ranking wise and not money wise mm -hmm. I don't think until then you'll see it being like uh, that fighters will be more athletes and that they'll hold themselves as athletes yeah. either. Um, and also like now that you get in the, the future generation coming through where you're actually starting to get like these smart kids that were before they, they just did jujitsu mm -hmm. and they got really good at jujitsu because they have that kind of mind. Those kids have like started to see that, Oh, well, you know, actually I could make a career, you know, this isn't just thug sport anymore. I could make a career of this. I could be an athlete in the UFC. Yeah. When you get these like Chase Hooper types, you know, look a bit like nerdy and then, you know, yeah. Pick up my man, yeah. Mr. Hooper. Exactly. They're not your typical like fighters. Um, the more of those that we get, like the really, really, the hard workers with really, really good minds that ju not just the people 
that are like savages Mm -hmm. and all respect to them you know maybe they've had like a hard life and they've you know they learned the hard way and they you know that's kind of what made turn them into fire um but once you get these like kind of more academic kids that are just like you know their mind works for grappling Mm. and they their mind works for understanding distance you know they start calculating things instead of it being you know like a feeling that i guess a lot of fears have like the whole like the whole science like boxing has become a science kind of thing exactly exactly so it'll be more like it'll be more calculative it'll be more um yeah i just feel like you know we have we have the imfs we have the amateur competitions they do tournament styles bring that into the olympics becomes more you know normal to see that because mm. you know i'm sure if you go out on the street and you you know show people pictures of chuck liddell and conor mcgregor and you know they're fighting in a cage and stuff like that a lot of people are still like what the fuck kind of hooligans kind of thing yeah but if you show someone a picture of the last taekwondo gold medalist or someone yeah. in a karate gi, they're like, oh, you know, respect kind of thing. You know, he, he yeah. it's a martial art, it's a sport, blah, blah, blah. And then it's fighting in a cage and these guys must be hooligans and stuff like that because some people like that, but I'm sure a lot of athletes, athletes, you know, the ones that really do care about the sports don't want it to be seen that way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think like IMAF is, is really good. I just wish that it was more recognized mm-hmm. because in this part of the world it's really recognized but in the u.s if you say i'm after like what's that yeah definitely. and especially because you the u.s is so big with mma that's definitely the biggest mma country mm-hmm. you kind of need them to be like on board and it to be like you know you, you kind of need that kind of the way that that like sweden's system works in like all sports you know you go to these like regional competitions yeah. and then you know the re- from the regionals you get to the the national um and that kind of thing that's the kind of system you also need you know they have it in in the u.s you know you have like high school wrestling and stuff and you get national wrestling and college wrestling mm-hmm. you got varsity and all that and all these different levels you kind of need that same system to work there so that it becomes like really prestigious yeah to be you know a ranked imath fighter mm-hmm. and that will be like you know your version of playing college football in america and it's like oh well you know this guy's ranked number one in the country in mma mm-hmm. instead of it just being like pro but i guess that's that's the that is kind of the the double-edged sword with with mma because partly it brings a lot of good people in because it's a sport that you get paid very early mm-hmm. if you compare it to boxing like you have to be a really good boxer to get paid when you do yeah. get paid you get paid in the boxing but in MMA, you can get paid early. Yeah. You know, as soon as you go pro, you'll start getting paid. It might not be that much, but you can start getting paid pretty quickly. I guess like um, the American system when they have like, you know, they have high school football and then they have university football. And then if you do well there, then you get picked up by a team and blah, blah, like drafts and yeah. stuff like that. So it kind of be like that, right? If you're a gold medalist in the IMAFs, then you should be on the radar for some, you know, big promotions already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need like these national organizations behind you. And I think that's kind of where maybe MMA falls flat because mm-hmm. it's very easy instead of taking that route to be like, well, I can go pro and I can get paid and maybe I could win a belt in this organization. Nobody really knows what it is, yeah. but I, you know, it's money. 
Yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, if you look at like a, a wrestler, for example, mm-hmm. or a college football player, you know, college football players—they're not getting paid until they're twenty-two. Yeah, that is like the earliest they start getting paid because that's when they go pro. Um, but in MMA fight, you turn eighteen and you know a bit of jujitsu, you can go and turn pro. And you can get paid now. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't have to wait for like this prestige and it's it's not like oh this guy is the number one in the country I'm gonna, he's insane i'm just gonna put a disclaimer under what you're saying to say like this is not our views and you shouldn't be doing that <laughs> like <laughs> i know how to do an arm bar fuck it i'm going in the cage and fighting like <laughs> no but I, I completely get what you're saying but uh i hope one day we'll see like amateur mma in like the olympics or something could be cool I think that would make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Like you suddenly had all these like Olympic programs for MMA. I think literally that year the whole landscape would change. Yeah, and the UFC should back it. Definitely. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Dana opened that wallet, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that should wrap things up. If anyone has gone all the way to the end of this, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, it was a, it was a very long episode, uh, but I hope everyone enjoys it. Everyone has a very merry Christmas and a happy New Year. Thank you, man. Thank you.